I invite you to close your eyes, taking a moment in your day, in your evening, in the middle of the night when you can't sleep. And breathe in and breathe out, inviting you to consider the idea of unlearning. Breathing in and breathing out, imagine all that we are here for is to simply unlearn. Unlearn what we were taught, unlearn what we are expected, unlearn all the stories. Breathing in and breathing out. Unlearning in preparation to letting go. Breathing in and breathing out. Identifying ways that you connect with to unlearn and still be connected. Still trust yourself. Still understand yourself and still love yourself. Breathing in and breathing out. Hi, it's Ryan. Welcome to your weekly dose of the Psychedelic Psychologist, where I invite my guests to share stories about their psychedelic experiences. We cover a variety of topics from overcoming addiction and severe depression, finding wholeness and spiritual emergence. Today's podcast, we're going to revisit, reconnect with deep gratitude and insane amount of love with Terrence. Terrence, to see you, to hear you. I, so, before you know what a mountain is, you have to go to the mountain and learn what the mountain is. And then you spend your lifetime looking at the mountain, learning about the mountain, everything about the mountain. And then... You realize that it's not about the mountain, but but about unlearning everything that you've heard about the mountain. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's totally paraphrased and everything like that. I'm sure the actual story goes a lot better than that. But uh, Well, we're both knowing that you and I are both unrefined and yeah, there's exactly. many so, more articulate people in the planet. Yeah, but it does resonate with me in the sense of... Uh, yeah, you, you 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 can look at the mountain all day long. You can learn its height and its whatever. I mean, I'm doing that right now in my life. As far as like, I mean, I just got a book for Christmas about the all the mountains here in in the North Cascades, and I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I want to go explore, but it's hardcore out here. I can imagine. Can I ask you, do you believe that in this lifetime we have enough time to learn all that or to explore all that or to understand all of that, quote unquote? All that. No, I don't think we have enough time in this lifetime to learn all that. I think we have enough time to learn exactly what we choose to learn, which is Is it about getting to the top of the mountain? 
or is it about just enjoying a little lake on the side of the mountain or is it about just walking along the paths? Yeah. I mean, that's still working. Well, it's a great point too, especially within the world of healing or transformation. The more and more I listen is people are wondering if there's an attainment or an evolution or a transformation or incremental trans. And what you're saying is let's just explore the journey and see where we go and see what happens. Correct. And I've, I guess that's been part of the message throughout my entire evolution is it's not about, it's not about the top. It's not about the peak. It's, it's a, the journey, you know, and I know we, we talked about that plenty, but that seems to be the, the reoccurring message in my life is, and it's not about, it's not about taking the helicopter ride to the top. It's not about how quickly we can get there. It's just enjoying. Right. And so let's talk about it as it reflects with psychedelics too, is that peak or that mountain. So many people are interested nowadays in going to climb it or say they climb it so many times or, and I'm metaphorically using psychedelics as a climbing metaphor, but it's, go ahead. And we can certainly go there. Sure. And then, so the idea is, oh, what about the integration and the preparation and the spaces between and the time that you have to look at yourself, you have to talk about these things, you have to explore real things, as you were saying, the North Cascade Mountains, you're looking at like climbing some of them or going to explore some of them. There's some preparation that's going to need to be had before you do that. Yep. And especially, I'm a little bit older now. And so, uh, it's, it's treacherous. Yeah. Is that the right word? It's slogging. Is that a word? Slogging. Slogging. And you're also recognizing what I'm hearing you say is potentially, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but recognizing your impermanence because of what you're feeling in your body. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's even just to get to base camp is is preparation you know and so let's let's tie back to psychedelics and say all right i'm i'm preparing for this journey on whatever drug it might be okay i'm ex i have expectations i this drug to take me to some sort of peak and that might be it might be euphoric, it might be disastrous, it might be hell. And yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's, that's why psychedelics are that much fun is because you, you can climb a mountain without ever leaving right. your, your space, your, your safe space. Yeah. How does that reflect on you personally? How do you know when it's about climbing the mountain and when it's about understanding the lake? What's the intuitive inquiry that you kind of yeah. tumble between the lake and the mountain? I mean, just with that question, you make me go way back into why I ever got started in the first place. And uh, yeah, I got to say that I was, I was, you know, back in 
high school, whatever those early days of, of exploration and thinking, you know, this thing or that thing was going to take me someplace high and I was going to experience something high, but you know, I mean, I think I couldn't tell you when I, what are you coming up against right now? Well, just when I stopped seeking that high and when I realized that, that it was just, it was just, it was the ride, you know? Yeah, there is a confluence, isn't there? And this is a really wonderful point. Maybe we could pause on the idea of just getting high. And obviously we're talking recreationally or even just understanding the nuances and getting, and this idea of the ride or the work. And what's funny now, especially with ketamine, is I often see a lot of new people going into ketamine and they're like, whoa, I think I just got high. And there's no healing being done. What was yeah. your, what was the radical shift or what was the nuanced shift that made you see the difference between just getting high and doing the work? Well, or was it simultaneously happening? Yes. And cut. <laughs> answer so i so i think you know i i was getting into skiing and and mountaineering at the same time that i was mentally exploring things and so there was this physical and spiritual and mental side that was all happening simultaneously and so you know and that was high school and then Lo and behold, you know, yeah, you, you take a long, you drive a Volkswagen bus to Alaska when you're 18 and uh, yeah, that probably shaked your rat a little bit. Yeah. And then, and then that's when you realize that it's about the journey and not about the destination. I mean, that, that whole experience unveiled the idea of let's just get to where we get to today yeah, and let's, let's, let's camp out someplace beautiful today at the end of the day because we've traveled long and you know let's make a nice dinner and yeah so what's neat about what i'm hearing you say too is this idea of a lot of the transformation is the act of work between after an insight in psychedelics so you we get this insight to travel or to wander or to explore spirituality, or just to learn how to be back in our body. And what I am remarkably amazed at is you're like, oh yeah, and then you do it. It's that art of, and the action of doing that kind of lands it for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was gifted in that sense, you know, say more. Cause so many people do think it's like, oh, is it a curse or a gift? Right. Or, or did they ever take the first, I mean, it seems like that's something that is happening more and more these days, especially through COVID, everybody's like buying a van and doing this and doing that and whatever. And it's lovely. And they, they have their YouTube channels and whatever. And I mean, like when I was doing it, I mean, I'm not going to say I'm 
you're 75, so it's okay. You're older. Yeah, exactly. But to say this was 30 years ago is, is, is making you feel like 75. <laughs> yeah, it's cool, you know, in the sense of like, we just did it because, because it was something in the back of a magazine. I remember getting like skiing magazines and being like, oh, go come work in Alaska and make 10 grand a month or whatever. And it's just like, that's what you responded to. You responded to a, a literal, like one paragraph ad in the back of a magazine and saying, I'm going to go do this because this magazine tells me I should do it. That's, that's not the world we live in anymore, obviously. It's a little more immediate. It's a little more immediate. It might not be that much different, but it's immediate. Well, and, there's, and then, then you, know, you can go into the fact of like, yeah, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have anything. Like, yeah, I mean, I remember going to the payphone and putting a dollar fifty in to call my parents back in Minnesota and being like, hey. So can I, let's divert into that world of digital and the relationship of psychedelics and digital. Let's off on a tangent. Do you believe or how has psychedelics affected you in relationship to your digital devices? Yeah, it's a good one. I guess I, I guess psychedelics makes me want to deter from it, but the everyday life makes me want to stay connected. Isn't that wild? Yeah, it, it unfold that because that's a really great point. Psychedelics pulls you away from it, but the everyday life says if you're not tethered to it, you might be run over. Yeah. Or missing something or whatever you you're know, missing so. out for sure yeah and, and so you're saying I, go ahead struggle daily with 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 the digital age like dude i can't even i mean i can barely write an email at this point in my life you know it's fine you know not that's barely. again because you're 75 right exactly and as choice you know like yeah i would i would rather call you i would rather hear your voice. I would rather communicate with you on that level and not just you, but anybody on, on that level, than just the digital age of, I'm just going to write you, text you. And not to say that I, you know, I mean, I'm perfectly capable of talking, texting and emailing and everything like that with people. But my preference is, is yeah, let's, let's do this. Let's have a physical conversation, you know, right. and I like, I like this. You know, I mean, I do like the formats and the platform of, of video conferencing, you know, I mean, I guess that's fine. Yeah. But what you're saying is connection an undercurrent of a desire for connection. Yeah. And there's probably something in my undercurrent as far as like the way that I can type. And I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't brought up in that world. Right. No, I agree. I think it also, we try to unlearn that again, though, if we go back to the theme of unlearning, right? You know, like if, if that's the overarching, I know for myself and you've heard this from me and I preach about it is the idea of being able to go back to a flip phone or just a telephone, the consolidated conversation is far more richer and more present than a vibrant text messaging back and forth for the six hours that they do it. Yeah. 
And I've learned that from psychedelics. I'm not going to lie. That's like just a clear statement for me is integrating. I have to like communicate and connect with people, but not digitalize them or sympathize them. It's pretty yeah. wild. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I guess that's the crossroads we're at at this point in, in, in our evolution is some people find that very much at home. Some people are very much at home being out in the middle of nowhere and trying to figure out how to get people to come to them, you know? Yeah. Sure. Did you have the philosophical mind pre-psychedelics that you do today? No, no, it was certainly to backtrack. Yes. Psychedelics led me to travel, travel led me to philosophy and that the integration, the two of those, you know, started in the, those early 20 years, you know, which where I spent in Colorado and uh, yeah. Which dovetails into experience versus education and the beautiful merging of the sorts, right? What we can learn from experience and what we can learn from a book. That age old question. Yeah. And I guess that's where, I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm fairly well, they'll fairly well versed in Buddhism and everything like that. And I love their, their philosophy and I, you know, the Eastern religions are something I'm more drawn to in that sense. But at the same time, they don't do drugs, you know, do they? I don't know. Not as much. They find, they find their own heightened states through meditation and everything like that. I suppose. I think that is a really great conundrum that we place ourselves in, right? Any spirituality kind of shunts their nose at medicines with the exception of probably Rastas and a couple others that I don't even pretend to know. But that idea of non-ordinary states or like this association is being shunned quite a bit. And then there's other places where you need to kind of trudge through it through meditation or asanas and yoga or prayer. Yeah. It's, I admire those people, but it's a different story. Yeah, it is. And once again, are we all seeking the same destination? Yeah, maybe. Going back to home. Yeah. It's fun. All right. So can I. Do whatever you need to do. We're, we're at the, we're at the holiday season or it's Christmas season, right? So in my mind, I broke down Christmas. Yeah. What, what in, in the grammatical, I'm sure there's another word for us, right? But anyways, Christmas. So mass more, right? Christ. So I looked up Christ. So I didn't even know what Christ meant. Christ just means to atone, right? What does it mean to atone? It means to be blessed. It means to be oiled. It means to be so just like, what, what does this season mean? And that more atonement, okay. More rubbing of the oils. But so. <laughs> you went down there. You, you, yeah. did, did you get trapped in the rabbit hole? <laughs> 
What does that mean? Do you need to know what it means, though, in all honesty, as you prepare yourself for the next mystery? Yeah, no. No. And I guess that's why I discourage in my own being this season in the sense of, like, we all try to make it something greater than it is when in reality it's it's just a just a dark time that we're trying to make light you know and it's okay to walk the balance yeah yeah tell yeah. me a little tell me a little bit about the relationship and homage you have towards medicine work psychedelics recreationally or any others what do you owe the medicine Uh, that's that's been our our theme as of late is is understanding death. I think I owe the experience to understanding what what my process is is potentially going to look like and what what I should look at other people's death experience to look like. Right. And and I guess I'm you know I'm. That's coming very true to me right now in the sense of, so a few days ago, so my father has passed, but his twin brother was still alive, but is failing. And I mean, it to the point where I got an email or a text from my, my cousin or uncle's daughter right before Christmas saying this, her dad was saying my dad's name in his sleep, you know? Oh, so wow. That, yeah. So that immediately goes in my mind of like, you're close. If you're saying a dead man's name in your sleep while you're still alive. Yeah. yeah you're, there's a veil being uncovered. There's a veil yeah. being pulled back for sure. And this is the twin brothers. So, I mean, I still can look at this man is still alive and looked at him and think that's, that's pretty darn close version to my dad. And he's still here with us. The question of mortality is in your face. Yeah. And, and just, I mean, is it, is it the, is it the end of an era, you know? Even my, my daughter was like, she wanted to go and see it. Like he's not on his deathbed, but kind of. <laughs> and yeah. And my daughter wanted to go see him because she didn't get to experience her grandfather's death because it happened very quickly. And, uh, and I'm just, you know, and it, you know, and all of this has happened in the last week and I'm like, Christmas, I don't know, just. Maybe we should chill out and just see how this plays out. And, uh, you know, because I, I, you know, I think we should, well, then I, I guess I've thought about that in the last couple of days too, is like, I, I've never had that experience of, of sitting with somebody on their deathbed. I've never seen somebody take their last breath. I've never even been close to it. You yeah. Know? And then you have to so, watch, I, right? Do I you have, that? Right. And also watch what the motivation would be for behind it. Right. 
Because I feel like, I mean, we talked about this plenty enough and yeah, I mean, I feel like I understand death enough to maybe help a dying person through the process. Maybe, you know, like I, I'm, I'm just spitballing here, but is that something that I could pursue in my future? Is, is something along, you know, in those hospice kind of lines? Cause, cause right. I mean, that's where psychedelics are going. And this, I mean, it's one direction psychedelics are going is to help that process. Is that something that you feel called to do? I mean, we're just talking about right now. There's kind of, well, what's the embodiment of? What's, the what's your body body. saying? Yeah. What's your body saying? Well, my body's saying I could do anything I want in the world right now. That's one of the many. Mm -hmm. Good way to look at it. At the same time, filing parents, family members, and then seeing the lineage between your daughter, your father, and then your uncle, that's a real experience I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. How do you honor your father, no, his spirit? What do you hear him like your uncle did? Do you connect with him? Oh yeah, yeah, that's part of my. He's he's part of my my altar. That's beautiful, you know. Which I guess you know that that throws into the the Eastern religions and how they they have much more of an ancestral worship, right? And you know, and I was never. I mean, I'm you know raised christian and everything like that but we're not really the the idea of worshiping or or prayer to your ancestors even your you know your immediate ancestors is not something that you really are taught right but i i mean in the japanese religion and everything like that like it's, it's very much a part of their their understanding so i must have been intuitively connected to you that drew yeah. you into it sure yeah and I do, and I feel like it's like I've said it before, I'll say it again. You know, I mean, my father was one of the best men that could have influenced me in my life. So I, I won't ever stop. What would you like to say? What would you want him to know at this moment? Now, he was always. He always made Christmas and the holidays special. So right, so at this time of year, it's the like yeah, I, I I don't like Christmas because he's not here. Partially, you know, there's many reasons why I don't really like Christmas. But one of them is the fact that he's 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 not here to spend it with and to enjoy and to see his energy put into to the celebration of the holidays and uh, and so you know i guess yeah to ask anything would be uh, just help help me see the see true i love it yeah and uh, that's how moments go